All right, here we are. I, I wanted to just start right away for two reasons. First off, you know, it's a Monday night and uh, we all don't have a ton of time this week. But secondly, I know you guys have seen the story, but I want to get your cold reactions without talking about it beforehand. So everyone will have seen the story by the time this podcast is released, but we're kind of somewhat early. It happened today. A 29-year-old man jumped the fence at the new Buffalo Bills construction and ended up in a a giant hole, essentially a giant sewer hole. I'm going to read from WBEN News Radio 930. Security advised um, the Erie County Sheriff of the mail in question who was naked and covered in human excrement at the time of the incident. According to the mail, he was under the influence of drugs and alcohol. This happened at 12.18 p.m. Eastern Time, that's before the Bills game. Uh, after the mail was retrieved from the excavated hole with a cut on his forehead, he was transported to um, in the medical center locally, uh, eventually transferred to Buffalo General, currently being evaluated. Uh, and then here's the last one. In addition to the 29-year-old drinking ahead of the Bills game, he was also under the influence of LSD, cocaine, and marijuana. Officials say they recovered the individual at approximately 30 to 40 feet below the surface. So Ryan, you get to go first as the Bills fan. I just want to get your reaction. And then also, uh, what did the guy think was going to happen in your opinion? Okay. A um, couple things here. Got to, got to get a couple facts here sorted out. It was not a sewer that he was in. It was the, the foundation for the new stadium. The human excrement was because he went into a porta potty and just started pulling it out of the porta potty and rubbing it all over his body. That's why he was covered in human excrement. Are you've got the better sources than me? Of course, Tom. I'm all over this story. Uh, yeah, so that's why he was covered in shit. It's because he went into a porta potty and went and just started grabbing handfuls of it and rubbing it all over. Uh, sounds like he was basically listening to Feel Good Hit of the Summer before uh, the tailgate began and just just had that song on repeat and was like, you know what? Sounds like a great idea. Let's do all of that. Uh, other than that, fan of the year. Um, great. I'm excited for him. He's making great decisions in life. It won't be the last time someone winds up in a giant hole in Buffalo in the next week. Dan, your turn. First off, can you recite all the drugs in order from Feel Good Hit of the Summer still in 2023? And then what do you believe that this gentleman thought he was doing or thought was going to be the outcome? Marijuana, alcohol, ecstasy. Oh, I screwed up. Anyway, cocaine. And I want to know why um, why... Richie Incognito was on site for the Bills. Uh, I thought it, it, it ended not so well, but I'm, it's good to see him back in Buffalo. All right. Well, folks, welcome to the Take the Points College Football Podcast. As usual, we start with uh, a bunch of shit. So... It's a Monday night. We have to record early because of our schedules this week, and we're going to just kind of have some fun. The lines will change. New reports will come out. Take what we say with a grain of salt. That being said, every prediction I have for this week is going to be 100% accurate and win. Um, But I think we get right into the games this week. Dan, give us your quick uh, week three recap, if you will, and then let's get into the lines for week four. Alabama has no offense. Um, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, and Cam Ward have 41 touchdowns combined passing, and it's September 19th. And um, that's really it. All right. Sorry. I'll edit out the dead air. I am. uh, You're good. I was just running on the treadmill, and uh, you know how after you work out, you still get like hot as fuck but I changed them to pants. And so I've got to roll them up like Capri shorts. That's TMI. And we'll edit all that out. Anyway, great analysis, Dan. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. There's uh, not a lot to take away from last week, um, unless you're a degenerate who looks at all these little things like us. Um, Colorado, Colorado State was the highlight, I think. I didn't stay up for the whole thing, but um, you know, even watching the highlights and even watching the first half was... Um, that's the kind of thing we want to see out of Dion. It's not just going to be him blowing teams out all year, but even in a close game, he keeps it interesting. He makes it appointment TV, which is awesome. So we'll talk about them later. Where do you want to start with our lines this week, Dan? In honor of the final Sum 41 tour, tonight's episode will be all killer, no filler. Yes. And uh, we're going to do all the key games as fast as we can. There's one game I think we're going to spend about 15 minutes on. So we got to allot enough time. Uh, but we're going to skip through the midweek games and go right to Saturday. Florida State travels to Clemson. Florida State minus two, total 55 and a half. Florida State totally mailed in the game last week against Boston College, but held on barely for a win. It was looking very sketch there. Clemson has blown out two cupcakes since their uh, humiliating opening loss to Duke. Tom, ACC expert, go ahead. Is some 41 really retiring? This is breaking yeah, news. Their, yeah, it's true. It's their last tour uh, ever, um, and then they're breaking up. So uh, I felt like we need to give them a shout out. All right, we'll end the, end the show with the best some 41 song. So. Think about that for the next 45 minutes and see if you can come up with one. Got it. Uh, Florida State, I think, is my pick here. Clemson um, just looks so bad against Duke week one. Now, we'll talk about Duke later. They are a great, great football team. But Clemson, there's nothing to show. It's cupcakes ever since Duke, and that was a loss. Florida State, as you said, looked great week one. Absolutely mailed it in, and they should be. it should be noted. I mean, I think they were up, what, 31-13 or something? So they had it in control, and then they just got kind of lackadaisical against Boston College. It's sad. We kind of predicted what exactly what would happen last week, and then we said, nah, but this year it won't actually happen. They'll just kill them. So we always have to trust our first instinct. And my first instinct here is that Florida State's just a much better, well-rounded team, and I will lay the points with them as uh, I think they're going to go on to win the ACC. Ryan. Uh, as long as Jordan Travis's health, obviously, again, this is early in the week. As long as he's good to go and everything, all the reports are good, then I would take Florida State in this spot. Um, it's tricky. It's it's a little bit harder than I thought it would be kind of thinking about it. But the over-under is the one I have the hardest time. I can't – I think that's that feels like exactly right. Dan, walk me through this. What are you thinking? Mike Norvell still has never won a true road game against a ranked top 25 team as an underdog. I will not bet on him until I see it. I like Clemson plus the two. I know it's not a popular pick, oh, wow. but that's what my gut's telling me. Yeah. Um, and uh, I like the under in this game as well. I think both defenses are good. I think um, something like 27, 24, and won't be like a deep under, but 56 is a lot with this running clock. Um so, yeah, gun to my head, under in Clemson. The both picks could be wrong. Really a tough game. I'll make a small bet on this one just for a little sweat, but there's no value in this game betting. It's a coin flip. If it was at Florida State, I would bet Florida State, but uh, hard to fade Clemson. Again, this is a 9 a.m. start, too, which is really weird here on the West Coast. So, tough game to bet, for sure. Let me just emphasize before we move on what you said. The running clock has really changed gambling and totals, especially way more than I thought it would. I knew it would have an impact obviously, but you have to really lower your expectations on a total, even between two high scoring teams. So Mm. I'm kind of relearning everything I've learned over the past 20 years. If a team's up like 14 or more in the second half, the game just evaporates. Like uh, I was big on the under in Tennessee, Florida last weekend. First half had like about 27, 30 points. Second half, Florida just ran the ball. Clock just disappeared. All of a sudden, there was four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It was great. Yeah, uh, yeah. It has. Totally I mean, it, it. It's not turning into NFL. There are still a bunch of good games and relatively high-scoring games and overtime games. You know, Colorado, Colorado State, Vandy was in a fun game, which I tuned in for overtime. So, 
it's still fun. It's still college. It's not NFL, but it definitely affects the totals. That's right. Speaking of Vandy, Dan, I would like to, I would like to stop on this game briefly. Vanderbilt is a 14 point dog at home against Kentucky. We don't have to pick this, although it's an easy pick, but um, I just want you to tell the listeners what you've been saying about Kentucky. This year's Kentucky team, which is unranked, is a better team than last year's team that was ranked seventh. Um, I don't know. I think uh, they're under. I think they're undervalued. Dennis Leary, a quarterback, might be better than Will Levis, who's third on the depth chart for the Tennessee Titans this year after a lackluster camp, as expected. All right. Back to you. Oh, you know what? Will Levis had the, what, mayo-flavored coffee, right? So yes. Den- Dennis Leary could do a really funny thing and make his <laughs> own video <laughs> this year. I think we all know where it's going. Anyway, uh, I think we can move yes. on. All right, real quick. Army at Syracuse. Syracuse minus 14, total 50 and a half. Ryan. Is Syracuse feels like an easy play, but it is not. Army is way better than people think. They are a challenging team. This feels like too many points. Like we just discussed, the clock runs like crazy now. I would say the under in this game for sure, and I would probably look to actually take the points in this game. I just think it's too many points. Army's better than people think. See. Yeah, totally agree with that assessment. Uh, Army threw the ball 18 times last week in a win at UTSA. What? Weird. Um, Strange. I have no idea, um, but I'm going to take an over in this game. I feel like both teams find a way to score in the Dome. I'm not sure how, but I feel like they will. Just a gut feeling. Okay, let's continue on here. We're going to skip through some normal games we'll talk about to focus on on all the killer this week. And there's going to be some wagers on this one. Colorado at Oregon. Oregon minus 21 points. Total 71. Uh, I'll start. So this line was 14 and a half before last week. And now it's 21 due to Travis Hunter being out and Oregon looking great. Can you really lay 21 in this spot? I mean, we've seen undefeated teams go to Oregon in the past, like undefeated Stanford with Andrew Luck, and Oregon would somehow be favored by like six, and we're like, no way, and then Oregon would cover. And I have that in the back of my head. But 21's a lot for the back door. Oregon would have to absolutely dismantle Colorado to cover the spread. As much as I feel like Colorado is overvalued and not a real national title team or anything like that, I, I'm not comfortable laying the 21. I am comfortable with over 71, though. Uh, both teams high-flying. Colorado's 3-0 to the over. Last week, it looked terrible, like the under was coming in until our good old friend Overtime showed up, and it soared over by two touchdowns. I feel like this game might be like 55 29 Oregon, which is still really close for like the line, but like in the 80s. So over, not sure on the spread. That's what I'm thinking. Ryan? Yeah, you're right on it. 52-31 is the score I have been, I've had in my head all day. Um, that's exactly 21, so I will stay away because that just feels exactly right at this point. Like I just don't I just, I'm not comfortable with that, but 71 over that is easy, easy, multiple units. Let's go. Z. Well, I'm disappointed because this is one where I thought we were going to get a much more favorable line. And I thought we were going to get really good value because I hoped Colorado would beat Colorado state a little more handily last week and the line would start out around 13, 14, and maybe even get bet down a couple points, end up like 12, 11, something in that region. And then I would say Oregon all day. I don't think Colorado's this level of good, although I do like them a lot. I would have taken Oregon up to 
15, 16, you know, once it gets to 17, then I'm kind of more iffy. Uh, this is just too many points, but I wouldn't take Colorado either because I do think Oregon's clearly a better team and I wouldn't be shocked if they win by 30. So, um, bet the over small wager and just have fun and watch. Okay, good stuff. Let's move on to another Pac-12 powerhouse. UCLA at Utah. Fun game. Utah minus four and a half at home, total 51. I don't know Cam Rising status. Um, it does look like UCLA has went to um, the freshman quarterback who seems to be an improvement version of DTR. Uh, so I'm rooting for him, unlike DTR. I don't know. This one's super hard. I can't figure it out. Ryan, steer me in the right direction. No, you're right. This is super hard. This is a game time play. If Cam Rising's playing at home, I think this is a Utah play. Four and a half is a really tricky number here. Um, but I think that Oregon is definitely a touch or uh, Utah is definitely a touchdown better if they have Cam Rising. So if he's going to play, I would definitely lean them. I do agree the UCLA freshman quarterback looks good, but this is Utah. We talk about this like six times a year on take the points that this is just, it is one of the hardest places to go and play, especially a freshman. I just, there's just, I can't do it. I can't take a freshman. Give me Utah in this spot. Z. Yeah. I thought you guys were going to be too much of homers and overthink it, but to me it seems relatively easy Freshman starting on the road in a very tough spot against a very tough physical Utah team that um, beat down a Florida team that might be better than we thought. So um, this one seems, you know, relatively easy for me, Utah. I don't think they'll blow them out, but I think they're going to win by a solid touchdown. Okay, sounds good. Let's move on. SEC, big game. Ole Miss at Alabama. Alabama minus a full touchdown. Line keeps rising. It's now seven points even now that Milrose back at quarterback. Alabama minus seven, total 57. I, I lost a lot of money betting on Ole Miss last time when they went to Alabama where Lane told everyone to get their popcorn ready. Will I lose a lot this week? Not sure. I need some help. Ryan, help. All aboard the lane train. Let's go. Guys, we need to talk about the greatest strategy in the history of college football. Lane Kiffin saying in the media that he thinks that Alabama quietly and secretly demoted their defensive coordinator and putting that out there and just stirring the pot a little bit on the coach's side, talking about, oh, I'm looking at the tape and it's this is definitely so-and-so calling plays. It's not this guy anymore. We could tell. I love this. I love this so much. I am all over Lane in this spot here. This is he finally has his chance. This is it. This is Alabama with not the firepower. This is his one shot here to do this. Let's go. Money line Ole Miss. Don't be a coward. Um, yeah, I don't know how you take Alabama in this spot. I mean, they lost to Texas. They got beaten. It wasn't a blowout, obviously. They didn't get um, completely destroyed, but Texas won the game handily. I mean, it wasn't really that tight. And then they came back when they should be mad and they should want to kill the next team as they would have traditionally under Nick Saban. And they really laid an egg against South Florida. I know there was a weather delay and that probably messed with them mentally, but 17, 13 and the last score came somewhat late in the fourth quarter. That is just not Alabama football. I don't know when they're going to listen to our advice and run the damn ball, but they're going back to Milrow. They're, they don't really have a backup. We'll talk about Notre Dame and their various quarterbacks later. I'm excited to talk about that. But they don't have really an identity. They don't know what they are. This is the worst Saban team probably we've seen since he took over. I mean, excluding maybe his very first year. Something's off. Lane Kiffin, I don't know. I don't know how high I am on them, but it seems like the bet. You're getting a touchdown and... I'm going to go with an under as well. 
I think the defenses play okay and keep it a low scoring game. 56 again with the running clock and two teams that really should be running the ball. That seems high. So I think the under is probably my favorite pick. And then I'm taking the points with Ole Miss. Dan. I like it, guys. I like the under, too. I think this is an under. You can't bet Bama overs uh, right now. And uh, if Ole Miss didn't score a lot of points uh, last time, I don't think they're going to score as many this time. But they can still win this game, like 19-13. I don't know. Um, All right. Let's move on. Um, Sneaky, non-ranked teams. Great game. BYU at Kansas. Kansas at home, minus 9.5. Total 55.5. BYU, big win at Arkansas. Uh, very impressive. I forgot they have uh, Keaton Slovis at quarterback, who uh, looks to be rejuvenated. I you, don't know. Uh, you did the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind or whatever and just wiped that Keaton Slovis out of your brain after he left Pitt, right? Just, I did. I just forgot, as you'll I forgot do, he was even on Pitt. Just as you'll do and, with um, Jerkovich. Yeah, yeah, that that's the worst ever. I'm going to need hypnotherapy for that. But uh, Kansas... Uh, screwed around a little bit, but one last week. I'll start this one. I'm not sure on the spread, but 55 and a half, that's too low. Both teams are capable of scoring in the 30s, 40s, or 50s, but both of them. Um, a lot of passes, a lot of incompletions, a lot of big plays. Over 55 and a half, that's uh, one of my favorite bets of the week. Tom, you got anything on this one? Yeah, I'll take nine and a half points. Also, with two teams that are probably going to be in a barn burner shootout, I see it playing out similar to BYU-Arkansas. So whoever has the ball last probably wins by four to seven points. So give me the points. Give me the over for sure. This will be a fun one. Tune in. Yeah, underrated game. Ryan, you got anything on this one? Uh, definitely the over. That's that's it. I don't have a good feel for BYU just yet, but I do like Kansas a lot. So I like the over. Okay, uh, let's move on here. Another game uh, matches two Big 12 teams. Might need to talk about this a little bit. Oklahoma State at Iowa State. I knew it. Iowa State minus three and a half, total 37. Ryan, do you have any thoughts on this game? Oh, looks like you guys knew exactly how to set up a brother. Let's do this, folks. It's tarmac time. Oh, yeah. We are doing it right. We are back to the way it's supposed to be. We are doing a full tarmac with an honorable mention. So let's get right into this. We are short on time, folks. Honorable mention. He can't be on the tarmac because his buyout is so large that it is like literally impossible to put Jimbo Fisher on the tarmac at this point. But Jimbo, you are an honorable mention. And I do want to say that he got the fully guaranteed contract fully guaranteed the whole thing. His agent, Jimmy Sexton, Tom, he is the agent for 11 of 14 sec coaches. 11 of the 14 sec coaches have the same agent. Yeah. They're locked into him. Unfortunately, unless he does something, you know, Mel Tucker ask incredibly stupid. Correct. Well, hiring Bobby Petrino was a start, but anyways, Let's get into the real top five here, folks. Number five in this game, Matt Campbell. Once declared to be the the next great thing in college football, might even make the jump to the NFL. Jerry Jones is looking at him nicely. He cannot coach. Their points for and points against this season, guys, is so bad. They have... 50 points for and 39 points against. We make fun of the Ferentz clan. He makes Brian Ferentz look like friggin' Mike Leach. This is embarrassing. Matt Campbell, you are ruining Iowa State. You had Brock Purdy, the favorite in the NFC. You had Brees Hall who would have won Offensive Rookie of the Year last year if he didn't blow his ACL and looks unbelievable this year. You had them both for four years together, and you couldn't do squat. And and Lazard. Yep, Alan Lazard was kicking around too. So he's had some talent. 
he has not put together any semblance of a real looking football team. Campbell, your days are numbered. Hey Ryan, let me just interject quickly. You were a coach at the college level. You ever try to fight a fan? Possibly moving on. Number four, speaking of fighting fans, we're going to go down to Beantown. Nope. Correction. We're not going to Beantown. We're going to Boston College, which is not in Boston because they're a bunch of assholes. <laughs> Jeff Halfley, I know you put up a fight against Florida State. People are going to look at that and be like, wow, he's on the right track. He's got things going. No, he doesn't. He's a disgrace. That whole football program is a disgrace. They should just get it over with and just hire Gronk to be the next coach. Let's go. Okay. Moving on, number three and number two, we're going to have a little little connection here, folks. I hope you like this. Number three, we're going down to the state of Texas, to Houston. Oh, yeah, Houston. Dana Holgerson, the mad scientist, the offensive guru who beat UTSA 17-14 to open the season. That's right, the same UTSA that just had Army throwing all over them and they beat them 17, 14. Then they lost to rice and then got blown out by TCU in a game that I called on take the points last week as my favorite bet of the entire week was TCU in that spot. Dana, the shtick has run its course. The, the crazy hair, red bulls, lunatic stuff. It's just not working anymore. You got to move on. Speaking of moving on, speaking of crazy hair, we're going back to this game, Dan. We're going to Oklahoma State, Stillwater, Mike Gundy. Guys, I know he's been there a long time. We loved Gundy. We were huge Gundy guys. At one point, I may or may not have had a bong named Gundy. Just saying but it's time for him to move on. What is his record? Guys, I want you to guess 18 seasons against the university of Oklahoma. What is Mike Gundy's record against the university of Oklahoma? Dan guess. Five and 13 wrong. Tom guess. <laughs> I was going to say three and 15. That is correct. Tom. Three and fifteen against Oklahoma. Uh yeah, it's just it's not good. Now we got his other son going on Instagram, dropping expletive lace tirades. He, it's, the whole family's gotta go. Just get the Gundies out of Stillwater and send them somewhere else. I think they would really enjoy like Arkansas State. Speaking of Arkansas State, they might have an opening because at number one, we have Butch Jones back where he belongs at the top of the tarmac. Points for 34 scored this year. Points against 117. That's right. 117 allowed. 34 scored. Butch, you are not long for this world. We are enjoying this because it's not going to last much longer. That is your tarmac, folks. Take the under in Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Take the alt under. Take the first half under. Dan, you don't agree. I don't care. Let's go. Very good, Ryan. Very good. I, the, Very good. The Gundy thing makes me sad. I mean, I know, I, I know why he's on there. I get it, but I don't like it. Tarmac has no favorites, Tom. The tarmac only speaks truth. Um, I'd like to jump in here. Ryan, you like the under. Well, let's talk about this because this is also the Your Opinion <laughs> oh, no. is Wrong game of the week. We are not done yet. Oh, no. I told you we'd have 15 minutes on one game, and this is it. So This is not the game I thought that would be 15 minutes. No, well. Do you, you want to guess the one I thought would be 15 minutes? It's not a good game. <laughs> Which one did you like, Tom? Uh, it's right down the street from me, Dan. I thought it was going to be Duke at UConn. 
No, we're skipping that this week, devoting all of our time to Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Um, okay, so here we go. Iowa State minus three and a half, total 37. Ryan, what do you like for this game? Oh, I love the under. 37 is still too many points. This game is going to end with a score of 16 to nine. That's right. 16 to nine is going to be the final score. I don't even know who wins. I don't even care who wins. I need a pick. That's going to be the. All right, fine. <laughs> I'll take, I'll take the home team. Iowa State, 16-9. Let's go. Iowa State and the under. Neither are coming in. First of all, Iowa State is in shambles. Matt Campbell could be higher up your list than you already uh, ranked them. They are terrible. Can I remind you that they lost to a MAC team at home last week when they only gave up 10 points to a, a MAC team? That's terrible. And you think that bodes well for your under, but that's not coming in either because Oklahoma State has played three games. And let me give you these three defensive performances, but I want to dive deeper into them real quick. They opened up with a 27 13 win against Central Arkansas. 13 points, pretty good. Too bad, Central Arkansas is not a Division I school. Then they played Arizona State, and they won 27-15. Arizona State last week had the worst college football box score I've ever seen in 42 years of I've been alive. Zero passing touchdowns, five interceptions, zero points scored at home against a Mountain West squad. And then last week, Oklahoma State gave up 33 to South Alabama at home. So how the hell is this game going to stay under 37? Totally ridiculous. Uh, so clearly Oklahoma State is going to beat the team that just lost to the MAC team, and this game is going way over 37. Now, Tom, what do you like for this game? Well, I mean, you kind of just did my job for me, but it was an easy one anyway. Ryan's being ridiculous. I know Oklahoma State hasn't exactly been a bright shining star this season, but it's still Mike Gundy. He's got 18 years of experience playing top level teams like Oklahoma, and he he knows how to score and get offense moving. He can always dip into his bag of tricks and bring it out even in a rough season. Iowa State, meanwhile, Campbell's doing horrible. They're playing like garbage. Campbell's fighting fans. So I'm going to take the longtime trusted coach, offensive minded powerhouse, and 37 is just too low. So Oklahoma State in the over, easy. Okay, Oklahoma State in the over. Neither are correct also. First of all, you're betting the over. These two teams combined for 14 points last week against South Alabama and Ohio. Not Alabama and Ohio State. South Alabama and Ohio, period. Both at home. They ain't scored at all this week. And you like Oklahoma State? Well, that's incorrect. Uh, they're awful. They beat uh, a D2 squad, the worst team in the Pac-12, and they just lost at home to South Alabama by 26. Now they go on the road. This team's quit. And any time that you can transfer in the fourth-string quarterback from Texas Tech and Alan Bowman and start him over your own son, you just got to do it, Jim. What a total shit show. There is no correct answer in this game. Everyone loses. I remember the Penn State Iowa game that ended four to two or six to four, something like that. And I think this is the best chance for a repeat of that. All safeties. This is easily the worst game of the entire year and the yes. biggest fall from grace game that we've ever witnessed on Take the Points. These teams have both been ranked in the top 10 or top five and played in like really big bowl games and have like superstar players going to the NFL and now we're looking at the worst game of the entire week so Ryan you were right ultimately Gundy and Campbell both got to go Campbell fucked up and stayed he could have taken a much better job he had me fooled I admit my error the guy can't coach a lick and Gundy I, I just I think it was a good story for a while but uh they're they're not good I I also blame Spencer Sanders a little bit, who, by the way, he transferred to Ole Miss, and I like to see Lane makes him sit on the bench, which I love. So that, that that's a little quick Is aside. Is he still playing? He's at Ole Miss. Oh, 
gentlemen, we have a Zach Mills Award favorite for 2023. No, he's got it locked up, locked up to, uh, okay. So anyway, we've now spent half of our show time on the worst game of the week. And let's uh, move forward if that's okay with you, gentlemen. Let's go out to the Pac-12, the best conference in America. Oregon State at Washington State. Great, great game. Uh, where oil meets water. Where the Cougar and the Beaver combine for a power tree, double, whatever. Uh, there's a sexual in you, I know, in here somewhere. Anyway, Oregon State minus three. Total 56. Super tough game. Tough-nosed Oregon State, run the football, smash-mouth defense, mean-hitting defense against Cam Ward at home in Pullman. I have um, some confusion, and I need some guidance. Ryan, this is uh, right up your alley. Yeah, this is actually a really, really tough one. Um, Oregon State, as the favorite on the road, kind of makes me a little nervous. Um. The over-under, I know Oregon State likes, you know, a little bit more smash mouth. I know Washington State throws it a lot, but it's a lot of short, dinky stuff. Like, I know the under feels right, but I just can't do it. I'm going to actually lean to the over here. I just love Oregon State's speed. I just, I cannot get over defensively, offensively. I just, I love their speed. The running backs are great. Um, I'm going to take Oregon State in this game, and I'm going to actually take a slight over in this too. I think it's going to be probably like 35-28 that gets us over. Z, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, we've been on both of these teams for a couple of weeks now. Two, maybe the two most underappreciated teams in America right now. Both of them, Oregon State, you know, depending on the circumstance, they play like a top 10 team. But Washington State slings it around. They're sneaky. I don't think a lot of people have watched them, even though they beat Wisconsin. So I am going with Washington State in this. They're at home. They're getting three (coughs) conflicting styles, so you never know. But if Oregon State is to win, they're going to win with more of the the tough smash mouth football, meaning it's going to be a lower scoring, closer game. Washington state is the one team that could potentially win by a bunch, throw it around. So if it's going to be a blowout, I feel like it's going to be Washington state blowing out Oregon state. If Oregon state wins, I feel like it's going to be close. So I just think the odds favor Washington state with the styles of play and then being at home and getting a field goal kind of puts it over the top for me. So Washington state, but I love both these teams. In a matchup like this, um, I think it's always smart to lean with the more physical team. And I think we've seen Washington State in the past with some really fun spread offenses get pushed around by the likes of like Utah and even Washington uh, with Chris Peterson and before. Um, I'll go down with Oregon State on this one. Give me the three. Not sure. or I'll, I'll lay the three. and I'm not sure about the total. That's my two cents. Real quick. We don't need to go over this one. This is your first half uh, wager of the week alert. Charlotte at Florida, Florida minus 28. I have no doubt in my mind that Florida will come out flat for this game after their win against Tennessee. Give me Charlotte plus like 17 and a half first half. Easiest bet on the board. We don't even need to talk about it. Okay, let's continue on here. couple more. Um, okay, big night game. Ohio State at Notre Dame. Ohio State minus three and a half, total 54 and a half. Uh, Ohio State looks like they've got their offense figured out a little bit. Again, they haven't played anybody at all. Notre Dame, 4-0, Sam Hartman, night game, South Bend, play like a champion, Rudy, all that fun stuff. Tom, take it away. Sure. So, yeah, Ohio State's doing that Ohio State thing where they struggle against Indiana but then they run it up against Western Kentucky. Kyle McCord. Have you guys seen the clip of Kyle McCord screaming at everyone in the locker room? There's a real like, there's a real like falling down American psycho vibe to him that I'm not loving. So uh, I, of course I don't like Ohio state in general and I tend to root against them, but you know, I bet with my 
head and not my heart. So we'll look at the game. They've got the good offense. Their defense keeps getting worse under Ryan Day. Notre Dame, this is what I want to talk about with Notre Dame. In addition to being the home team and a night game and Rudy and all the stuff you said, we still underestimate the impact of Sam Hartman. I want to talk about two other Notre Dame quarterbacks because keep in mind, Notre Dame's been a borderline um, elite or like very good team. They're always ending up around the 10 or 12, 8, 10, 12 spot the last several years. And who did they have at quarterback during that run? Well, they had, uh, what's his name? Tyler Buckner, who um, got on the field for Alabama and somehow was worse than Jalen Milrow was. So he's back on the bench now after a 17-3 win over South Florida. And then we've got Drew Pine down at Arizona State. You want to comment on him? I mean, he doesn't... Awful. Yeah. Those are the guys... Those guys were... The worst ever. Seeing generous playing time, both of them, for Notre Dame. And Notre Dame was ranked in the top 12 with them. Now they have one of the best quarterbacks in college football, the real deal, Sam Hartman. And it just makes a world of difference. They are an elite-level team now. Um, maybe I'll look foolish, but to me, Notre Dame is really good and uh, complete. I am a little scared that they don't really have an answer for Marvin, the silencer, Harrison Jr. And uh, yeah, yeah, the silencer could, uh, you know, do his work. And of course, he's named that because he silences crowds, Dan. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he might silence the crowd at Notre Dame if McCord can get him the ball. He's the one threat, I think. Otherwise, I like the edge to Notre Dame. I'm going to pick Notre Dame to win this game outright. Barely. Three points or less, maybe even a one-point game. Something like a um, 31-30 type score, 27-25. Something very close that comes down to the end. But I just, I'm betting on Sam Hartman. Ryan. Tom, you're right on track. 30-28, Notre Dame. I hate Notre Dame. I hate Ohio State. Me too. I don't like either of these teams. I, But for me, it's just from what I've seen this so far this year, what I and what I see is one team has a better, much better quarterback, and it's Hartman. And I don't think it's even really close. So for me, I'm going to go Notre Dame in this game, and I think they win this outright. Love it. He's a top wow. he's a top three quarterback in all college football, along with Drake and Caleb. Just a top th- four Penix. Oh, Penix, right. Sorry. Just at the college level. I'm not talking about pro prospects or anything like that. But it's it's there's a group of guys who are elite and he's in there. This game is um like a solar eclipse wrapped in a lunar moon or something like that where I actually get to root for one of these two teams, which rarely happens once every 15 years or so. The good news is that one of these two teams will lose. The bad news is that excitement will be short-lived when the victor is propelled to top three in the polls and is talked about as a shoe-in for the college football final come Sunday morning. Um, Sam Hartman, been in a lot of big games, veteran quarterback, cool head coach. First unknown quarterback, first big game of his college career on the road in Notre Dame. Give me the vet. Let's make it three for three. Notre Dame money line. Don't need the points. I think Notre Dame wins by double digits, in fact. And I think Ryan Day's in the hot hot seat Sunday morning. Dan, I, I my initial thought was double digits, and Tom kind of talked me into keeping it close. But my initial thought was was double digits. You're going to hear a lot of rumblings that if he doesn't beat Michigan this year, he's getting fired, which he won't. And Ryan Day is gone at the end of this year. That's my hot take for this Take the Points podcast. Gone to the NFL? Gone, fired, and looking to to, to uh, Maction. He'll be joining the likes. Oh, really? Mac 2024. Yeah. Mac 2024 for, for a rehab assignment, which he thinks is rehab, but it's his new home. And that's where he's going. Oh, I was going to say he should pull a reverse Matt Campbell. And, you know, regardless of what happens this year, he should peace out of there. Go get a job with the, who knows, who's a bad NFL team this year. Uh, he's not an NFL coach. He will fail way worse than Urban Meyer in the NFL. I'm not disagreeing with that, but he was getting some NFL talk a year or two ago. 
He's getting canned this year by the admins for losing to Harbaugh yet again. Uh, I think he's got to win both games. But anyway, we'll find out. Um, but yeah, excited to watch that. Uh, while this game's going on, I'll have a small TV set up to watch this next one because I'm betting the under and I don't want to watch it. Tom will have this on the big screen. Iowa at Penn State. Penn State minus 14 and a half. Total 40. Talk to me, Tom. Well, we got a problem because I'll be at a wedding on Saturday. And so we got a situation. I, I know. I know. I know. And it's Southerners, too. They should know better. Um, but we're going to figure out a way to watch at least part of this because it's Penn state. It's a whiteout game. It's Iowa, the Ferentz quest for 25 points, which is not happening. Why don't I want to flip it on you guys? The over under, I have it listed at 40 and a half. Explain to me most likely scenario, how we get to 41 Dan, assume, uh... assume it happens. I want to know how. You need one touchdown, not on offense, between defense or special teams. You need a turnover resulting in a red zone opportunity for the other team. You need a phantom pass interference in the red zone on third and 13 from the 14-yard line. And you need no field goals to get missed. And... And you need Iowa to score 17 points. No, you need Iowa to score 13 points. Penn State can win 28-13. It's the best I can think of. Ryan, you want to take this one before I chime in? How they get to 41? Yeah. Or just pick the game? How they get to 41? Or your general thoughts. The only way they can get to 41 is if it's 31-10 which is what I think it's going to be. If not, it might be 30 nothing, 30-3. So 31-3 is going to be. Actually, 31-3. That's what I'm taking. That's my pick. So I'm usually hesitant with my, my home team, Penn State, but I'm a little high on them this year because of Drew Aller. The home game, the whiteout, makes all the difference, especially defensively. I think that Penn State's defense really keeps Iowa to about 13 points, as you say. So the only way is they're going to have to score about 30. And I think it's doable because Penn State has a strong rushing attack and Drew Aller's looking good. They'll get at least one huge reception to um, Lambert Smith. They'll get like a 65-yard TD pass at some point. So 30 to 13, I think, is possible. But I think more likely it ends up something like 24 or 27 to 13. So 14 and a half is just a little too much and the line seems right on, but I think Penn state's, I think Penn state's got them in this environment. I don't think Ference is getting his 25 points this week. No way. And we're going to see some of these young rising Penn state defenders are going to start becoming household names like Abdul Carter, the heir to Micah Parsons. People will get to know him. They don't have a, um, Micah, or they don't have a Joey Porter Jr. type guy this year, but they're really well-rounded on defense, and it's hard to picture Iowa scoring 20 points. So if Iowa's going to win, it's got to be like a special teams or a freak touchdown, and then like an 18-16 type win. Here's the question, though, gentlemen. If this happens and Iowa scores, you know, 10 points, 12 points, whatever, or less, if you're a media member and you go to the next Iowa press conference, are you going to bring a little toy plastic ladder with you? Absolutely. So, so I'm going to, Hey, coach Ferentz, I brought my little ladder so I can climb back up your ass because <laughs> you got shut out. Let's go. Very good. I'm high on Penn state. I think, you know, when they get to Ohio, Ohio state and certainly Michigan, I still think it's, I'm going to have the same concerns I've had for the last several years, but I feel good about this one. I've been in the under and I'm not watching. Okay. Uh, two more games that I want to talk about that we can move on. <clears throat> Both late night starts. USC travels to Arizona state. Okay. Look, I know this is a look ahead spot for USC, but Arizona state is without a doubt the worst team 
that I've seen this year play college football in a Power 5 conference. Let me just quickly read off the quarterback stats from last week against Fresno State. Starter, Jacob Conover, 6 of 16 for 89 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Drew Pine, the aforementioned Drew Pine, 5 of 13 for 52 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Trent Borquet, 6 of 8 for 47 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. They combined to go 17 of 37 for 188, no touchdowns, five interceptions. USC is going to beat them by 60 points. Um, uh, Whatever the first half line is, take your mortgage and put it on that. It'll be around 21 points or so. This is going to be fucking stupid. Um, uh, Arizona State, you know, I feel bad for him. Herm left them in beyond shambles. Shambles is one thing, but then when you leave them with academic or sorry, with uh, postseason bans and restrictions and all this, it's bad. They have a freshman quarterback, but he's hurt. Doesn't look like he's going to play this week again. They have no talent, no players. They're totally rebuilding. And Caleb Williams wants to score five touchdowns in the first half and then paint his fingernails and chill in the second half. So um, not much to talk about in this one. Lay it. Do you have any thoughts on this one, anybody? No. Yeah, first half, take the USC first half line, take the game line, take the USC team total, take all the 60, 60 points. And, 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 and honestly, it's going to be a little cool on Saturday, high 92 on Saturday, which I know sounds like a joke, but for a night game at Arizona state, it'll be in the, the eighties or so. And, uh, they're, they're going to just kill them. It's going to be bad. In the last game that I started for the most prestigious (laughs) brand in all of college football. And they were ranked in the, I think they got into the top 10, definitely top 15. Um, okay. And last game I want to talk about, because we're talking about them every week, Washington home against Cal Washington minus 21 total 61. The only thing is this, I want to say, you know, everyone and their mother picked Michigan state plus the points last week, all the action network people, all the covers.com people. Oh, now the Tucker's not there. They'll have a spark and, Mark D'Antonio is involved now, and they got a running game. Washington hasn't been good against the run. I follow Washington on Twitter, uh, which is a a great follow, A-plus social media team. Their offensive coordinator, um, Ryan Grubb, was on the field before the game, and he had headphones in, and he showed his phone to the camera to show them what he was listening to during warm-ups. Do you know what he was listening to? He was listening to Seek and Destroy by Metallica off the album Kill Em All and had the screenshot on his phone and said, Kill Em All. And he stared at the camera. And I was like, you know, I'm a little tired from playing golf this morning. I'm going to take a nap, but I got a good feeling about this Washington bet. And I woke up and I looked at my phone. I see Tom Z going 28 nothing exclamation point. <laughs> and then I pull up the ESPN app and it says 35 nothing halftime. And I was like, this team is just the fucking coolest. Uh, to hell with everybody else. So go Huskies, lay it again. Washington scored 50. Penix has over 400 in every game this year, and he hasn't even played like much of the second halves in any game. It, it's unbelievable to watch. Uh, thoughts, anybody? But Dan, could it potentially be a look-ahead spot with Arizona coming up next week? Absolutely not. And I, thanks for mentioning that. This is the anti-look-ahead spot. They're going to wax Cal badly. Uh, it's not going to be close. Is Cal any no good? Huskies. I haven't I haven't seen any Cal this year. They're the same old Cal. They're a 6-6, six 5-7 and 5-7 six, and seven team. I watched them against Auburn. It was a slop fest. They have a quarterback that doesn't really know how to throw the football. They're, it's it's going to get ugly early. You can't cover Washington. They're too talented. Their their tight end had three receiving touchdowns in the first half last week. <laughs> Good luck if he's the fourth option on that team covering him. So 
Woodshed. Lay it. Lay, lay it with Washington. Lay the USC first half. Take the, the Charlotte first half and the Notre Dame money line. I'm going to parlay those four together to give you a price. I like Not it. Now, nothing, el- nothing else yeah. to add. I like no. it. Is that the end of our See, lines? Yes. Any yeah, Tom, we, we got. Go? I got a lot more, Dan. We'll, we'll go, go right ahead. All right, I've got to scroll. But the first one, the obvious one, is Duke coming to Rentschler Field. UConn, what happened to your Huskies, Dan? They were on the way up with Jim Moore Jr., and now they're... Jim Moore will not let this program go back into mediocrity. Did you see how pissed off he was? That was hilarious. Well, he better get going then. Because <laughs> Duke's coming to town, and the line is only three touchdowns, and I like Duke. 0-4 <laughs> coming right up. I like Duke a lot this week. Uh, the good news for, sorry, real quick. The good yeah. news for me is the worse the football team is, the better the basketball team is. When the football True. team gets closer to being relevant, the basketball team comes down. They only have so much ability. So I need UConn to bottom out so the Husk basketball team can repeat. That's what I'm hoping. Husk, the basketball team's looking strong. All right, uh, Maryland minus seven against Michigan state at Michigan state will there now that uh, Mel Tucker has officially been informed of intent to fire for real. You think there's a change or you think we just keep riding or fading Michigan state rather. They have no talent, no direction, fade them all year. They may not win another game. All right. Miami, Florida looking strong this year goes to temple where it's a 24 point line. Temple is very bad. I know they're going up north, but Miami, Florida has been crushing people and they got a determined coach. So I like that. Oh, did you want an Arkansas LSU pick? I don't have one here, but LSU minus 16. They seem to blow out the bad teams and lose to the good teams. Right. You got anything on this? I don't know what's going on with Arkansas. Yeah, actually, I have, uh, I do have some thoughts on this game. This is one of two games that I like uh, that we didn't mention. I like a bounce back parlay. That's right. Arkansas plus 18, Tom. It's up to 18 now. And Pitt plus seven and a half. Here we go. Jerkovich is going to get benched. We talked about it last week. Nard Dog at some point pulls off a game he has no right to pull off. This is the spot right here. Mac Brown going into Pitt. This just smells like a close game. Give me Pitt plus a seven and a half. If you want to get real feisty here, guys, you could go teaser on this and take Arkansas plus like the 21 and a half and Pitt plus 11. And that gives you a little bit of leeway there if you move them both of the three, uh, three and a half points. So also in play, but I like the parlay of Arkansas plus 18, Pitt plus seven and a half. Very glad you brought up that North Carolina pit game. Cause that's the one I was looking for at the end. We're recording on Monday and that gives us a disadvantage because we, as far as we know, Jerkovich is still officially the starter. We all know that it's Christian Valu time, but Dan Pittsburgh native, what happens here? I mean, Valu's got to start, right? We, we can almost just assume he's going to be the starter. Oh, they already came out and said that oh, did they? that Jerkovich is going to start, but I don't. I oh, think he's going to have oh, a very God. short leash. Very oh. short leash. All right. If Jerkovich starts, I like UNC and the over. If Valu starts, hit money line. Okay, sounds good, Ryan. Do you have any games you want to talk about that we missed? Nope, those are the two. Okay, good stuff. All right. Any last thoughts from either of you? Um, best Sum 41 song. I'm going Hell Song. I like uh, I like the songs on the second album. Um, underrated. I've come around on Fat Lip. I thought it was one of the worst songs ever written when it was I first like it released. Too. And now yeah. it, for nostalgia purposes, it stands out. I've been listening to um, a lot or, you know, during COVID when I was home all the time, working from home for like 18 months, I would just go through every music imaginable because I'm listening to Spotify all day, every day. So I went through a 
you know, early 2000s pop punk phase somewhere in there. And, you know, it holds up fairly well compared to some of those other ones. I mean, pop punk in general holds up okay because it's three chords and like, you know, no tricks. So it sounds basically the same as it did back then. I Okay, I got one last thing to say for on the music for off college football and the music thing, I got one thing to say. This Taylor Swift shit has got to fucking stop. You mean with Travis went, Kelsey? No. Completely stop, unacceptable. Stop. No. The obsession. I went to Trader Joe's yesterday. Fucking Shake It Off comes on. I have three different women bump into me because they're dancing in goddamn Trader Joe's. Stop fucking dancing and shop. I've had enough of this obsession with her. One song comes on and the whole goddamn grocery store loses their mind. Enough. Yeah, it's, I, it's really stupid. I totally it's disagree. It's totally disagree. You're all. Oh wrong. no. Taylor Swift unites the generations. My wife oh, likes her. God. My seven-year-old daughter loves her. She's uh, fit for all ages. The greatest singer-songwriter of the last fifteen years. Uh, Not really, nope. in my opinion, but. All right. Great. There's enough of that. Travis Kelsey, of the Travis Kelsey will ruin her. He'll be the one who actually brings her down. All right. Uh, we're, we're cutting all this out. All right. Good. Any other real last thoughts? No. no update. No update from the cigarette smoking man. I'll keep you posted next week. Dan, how about your Steelers? It's Monday night. They're playing right now as we speak. Do we want to get a score uh, or are you afraid? 16-14 third quarter. Uh, Ooh, respectable. Yeah, uh, they scored on a pick six the first play of the game, and George Pickens with a 71-yard score. Outside of that, they have zero good plays in the other 37 minutes of the game. Anything, Welcome to the NFL. Anything you're hopeful about, like about this team, would retain for next year, or is it a total scratch? I like uh, Calvin Austin from Memphis. He's super fast and uh, really underrated, and he's my favorite player on the team. And uh, outside of that, um, no, just want to get the season over with as soon as possible. Oh, speaking of Memphis, Dan, I'm glad you brought that up. That is the one other game I do like this year, this week, Tom. I like Memphis plus the points at Missouri. Missouri coming off the oh, good call. blow my load 61 yard field goal win. And I love Memphis this year. And this is absolute letdown spot. So give me Memphis plus the points. All right. I love it. All right. Thanks everyone for tuning oh. in. We'll be back next week at our regular time later in the week. Uh, enjoy the games. It's a very, very good week of college football. So have fun. <laughs>
Wow. Yeah, they they got kicked, the whole team. They just kicked the whole team out of the league. They're like, this is bad. Just <laughs> everyone's got to go. Well, yeah, but here's what's fucked up is there's only two teams left in the league now. By the way, it's not like they had thirty teams. Now they're down to two teams. Wait, two. There, wait. There was a there was an indoor football league with three teams. There was like eight, and then A B's team got kicked out, and then some others got kicked out. And now they're down to two teams. Who are I these, heard the Arizona are Rattlers are coming back. And can we buy one of the defunct teams? Like, I, I, it's not expensive. Can I buy one? I mean, we might not play, but I just want to like own the rights. We can look into it, Tom. See if you look into this for the next podcast. All right. A, next AB's team. AB's team's in Albany, Tom. That's right yeah, up the road. Actually, that's, that's the one, one I want. I'm going to buy this team. I'm going to be the hero <laughs> of Albany. The capital region hero, Tom Z. <laughs> Comes in after AB and his catch the energy brain. <laughs> after he destroys a proud franchise whose name I will soon learn. I'm they were the come champions too. This. Like they were like the defending champs when he bought them. And he's this like, is, no. this is not the River Rats, is it? Is that hockey? No. Yeah, that's, that's hockey. hockey. Okay. I would like to also once I once I'm a success with this, I'm going to pull a Terry Pagula. Aside from the racist stuff, I'm going to pull a. a Good Terry Pagula. I'm going to buy this Albany football team, and then I'm going to buy the River Rats with my money. I've been to a uh, River Rats game, Tom. I actually went to a River Rats game and like got to meet all the you players met, and you coaches met and all the games. River Rats. I did. I did get. Yeah. Was Gordy Howe there? Um, he seems to play for every minor league team. Ninety-seven-year-old <laughs> Gordy Howe's playing for the River Rats. It, it might have been. It was like oh eight or something. So it, it very well could have been. One thing that I want to quickly mention on this AB photo is he writes, catch the energy, hashtag CTE Sundays. Yeah, that's, so that's my favorite thing. Funny. And then the, the little <laughs> sub caption, he's got a giant gold CTE and the little sub caption says, He's got it. He's got it. It's so great. This he is, is the best. George is, our friend George is right. He is trolling himself. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Who would have, this? it's, oh my God. It's so funny. Well done. All right. Well done, AB. All right. That's the real end of Take the Points. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Catch that energy. CTE Sundays. That's really what NFL Sunday is. It's CTE it's, Sunday. It's actually, yeah, it's, there's some kind of a poignant point underneath all of that.